Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, we're going to review a couple of journal articles that we discussed in our conference. The first article was one reviewed by our chief resident, Alon Mordell. The article was in BMJ 2017, entitled Corticosteroids for Treatment of Sore Throat, Systematic Review, and Meta-Analysis of Randomized Trials. Sore throat is among the most common complaints in the ED. Most of these cases are viral in origin, and beyond NSAIDs and acetaminophen, we don't have much to offer. The use of antibiotics and strep pharyngitis in the developed world is debatable, but even if you do use them, they only have a minimal effect on pain. Corticosteroids are another treatment modality with prior studies suggesting effectiveness in controlling that pain. This study asked a simple question. Does a single low dose of corticosteroids provide symptomatic relief in undifferentiated pharyngitis without significant adverse effects? The authors did a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized control trials of patients aged 5 and up. They excluded trials of patients who were admitted or had immunocompromised states. All of the studies had to compare standard care to standard care plus corticosteroids, and the group looked at multiple outcomes including complete resolution of pain at 24 and 48 hours, mean time to onset of pain relief, and a bunch of other outcomes. All of the details of all those outcomes will be in the blog post. They found 10 RCTs with about 1,400 patients included in their analysis. The two big findings were that at 24 hours, the corticosteroid group was more likely to have symptom resolution with an NNT of 8, and at 48 hours, the steroid group was more likely to have resolution with an NNT of 5.5. Those are pretty good numbers. We'll have all the numbers for the other outcomes in the post as well. While the numbers do look good, there are some issues. Two of the 10 studies didn't include any data on adverse events. The standard care was not standardized across studies. Some patients got analgesics, some didn't. Some patients got antibiotics, some didn't. Heterogeneity between the studies were moderate. Many of these studies included patients with mild symptoms. There may have been a larger benefit if we only looked at patients with severe disease. The dose of steroids in pediatric patients may not truly have been low dose. They used 0.6 mg per kg of dexamethasone in an 18-kilo child. That'd be 10 milligrams, and that's pretty much the dose that we give for adults as well. Imprecise and inconsistent data behind many of the outcome results was present, and studies used different steroid treatments. Most studies used a single low dose of dexamethasone as their intervention, but one study used a multiple-dose approach, one study used prednisone, and one study used betamethasone. The authors conclude, and I quote, single low-dose corticosteroids can provide pain relief in patients with sore throat with no increase in serious adverse effects. Our conclusions are a bit more nuanced. The finding of an improved rate of complete resolution of symptoms at 48 hours is backed by high-quality evidence. Steroids also appear to provide only a moderate improvement in time and degree of resolution of symptoms. However, in the setting of severe symptoms, these moderate improvements could make a significant difference. In adults, I typically give 0.15 mg per kg of dexamethasone as a single dose, which typically works out to about 10 mg for pharyngitis regardless of whether I'm giving antibiotics or not. For a comprehensive critique of this article, check out our blog post or the SGEM podcast, which we've linked in the show notes. All right, let's move on to our second article to review. This one's entitled Stroke, Vision, Aphasia, Neglect, the VAN Assessment, a Novel Emergent Large Vessel Occlusion Screening Tool, Pilot Study, and Comparison with Current Clinical Severity Indices from the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery in 2017. This is a journal that I don't typically review, but Scott Weingart sent me this article a couple months back. I figured if Weingart's reading it, well, I should probably read it too. This one requires a bit of a background discussion. 
Over the last three years, we've seen a rise in neurointerventional therapies for patients with ischemic strokes due to large vessel occlusions. This group of strokes typically includes patients with occlusion of the distal intracranial carotid artery, middle cerebral artery, or anterior cerebral artery. Rapid identification of these patients both in the pre-hospital setting as well as in the ED may be beneficial as it can lead to mobilization of necessary resources and ordering of proper investigations. That includes CTA, CT perfusion, or MRI, MRA. While there are a number of clinical scoring systems in place to identify patients with the large vessel obstruction, or LVO, none are ideal. The authors investigate the utility of the Vision Aphasia Neglect Assessment, or the VAN, or VAN assessment, for this purpose. The VAN assessment begins with a simple assessment of upper extremity weakness. If the patient exhibits any weakness, then they proceed to vision aphasia and neglect testing. If either vision aphasia or neglect assessment is abnormal, the patient should be suspected of having an LVO and get a CT angiogram. If there's no weakness, the patient is deemed to not have an LVO and the vision aphasia and neglect pieces of the assessment are not carried out. We'll drop the full VAN assessment in the show notes. These authors looked to do a pilot study comparing the performance characteristics of the new tool. They were comparing the VAN assessment versus NIHSS greater than or equal to 6. They collected 62 consecutive patients in whom a stroke code was activated, and all the patients had both a VAN assessment and that NIHSS calculated. In this study, the VAN assessment performed really well for identifying large vessel obstructions. It had a 100% sensitivity and a 90% specificity. The specificity was better for VAN than it was for NIHSS greater than or equal to 6. The most important thing here is that the VAN score found all the patients who ultimately were determined to be eligible for neurointerventional therapy. Of course, so did the NIHSS greater than or equal to 6. And so the key, the real key, is specificity. The VAN score appears to be slightly better on that end. In this study, they found that 30% of stroke codes had no weakness and were rapidly cleared using the VAN assessment within 15 seconds. And again, this is without missing any large vessel occlusions. Unfortunately, the study does have some limitations. We'll have a full list of these in the blog post, but briefly, this was a small pilot study that's going to require prospective external validation in larger populations. A lot of training was done to get all the providers up to speed on this assessment, so that's important to know as well. Here's the thing I really like about the VAN assessment. If it pans out in subsequent studies, we can quickly eliminate patients from consideration for large vessel occlusion by doing a quick assessment of upper extremity weakness. If they're weak, we can then move on through the rest of that VAN screen or even the NIHSS score. It's the initial paring down of the population that I really like. The authors conclude the VAN screening tool accurately identified LVO patients and outperformed an NIHSS greater than or equal to 6 severity threshold and may best allow clinical teams to expedite care and mobilize resources for LVO patients. A larger study to both validate this screening tool and compare it to others is warranted. We agree with the author's conclusions. In this small pilot study, the VAN assessment performed well in identifying patients with LVO, but a larger study is clearly necessary to further assess its utility before it's widely incorporated into practice. That being said, I've spoken with some folks who are using this as a rapid way to move patients out or into the LVO group. Salim Razai and I did a post on Rebel EM with the help of Evie Marcolini showing our stroke workflow and how we would consider using the VAN, and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. That's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. And if you've got time, pop over to iTunes and give us a little rating. Thanks and see you all next week.